AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PAC Podcast. It's your girl, Ebony, and I am super excited about this week's Rewind episode. So this episode is coming from Every Tom, Dick, and Harry Don't Deserve You. I don't know why they named this episode um, Daddy Issues, but yo, this episode was straight fire. I did this episode earlier in the year probably like in January and February and my guest she has a book out and her book was just amazing so I reached out to her and she definitely agreed to do the episode and she was just sharing some of the stories some of the things that she'd been through where these things stem from and how she was able to move on and yo it was just so fucking fire like I was just listening to this episode and I was like damn like I really be having some shorties on this on this podcast and they be dropping straight facts so if you're interested in knowing more about her story, you want to support her because we're all about supporting our professional homegirls out there, please make sure to email me at hello at thephcpodcast.com. Also, please make sure to follow me on Instagram at theprofessionalhomegirl, at thephcpodcast, and last but not least, at Ebony Beauty. And please make sure to follow me on Twitter. You can tweet me at thephg underscore. The website is coming soon. I just set up the hotline, so I'm really excited about chatting with you girls. Y'all leaving me some popping voice messages, texting me, and let's get to it. Enjoy, guys, and later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PSG Podcast. It's your girl, Ebony. And before we begin, let's do a little housekeeping. Um, please make sure to follow me on all social media platforms at The Professional Homegirl, at The PSG Podcast, and at Ebony Beauty. 
Um, make sure you visit my websites at theprofessionalhomegirl.com and Ebene Beauty as well. And last but not least, make sure you rate and review the PhD podcast on all major streaming podcast platforms. So please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous. So let's begin. So I'm very excited about this week's episode. I feel like this is something that a lot of women can relate to as far as being in toxic relationships and heartbreak. So first up, let's talk about the foundation of your heartbreak, which is not having your father present in your life, which is something that I can relate to as well as a lot of my other guests. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) I know, just get right into it, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. Um, Well, I think, you know, you don't really understand the impact of Mm. not having your father until you become a little bit older Mm -hmm. um, because you just can't grasp what, you know, the effects of it. So I do know that the positives were me being, you know, an overachiever, Mm -hmm. always wanting to excel, always wanting to do things to be seen, which was the consequence of feeling not seen by my dad. Mm. So it was a plus though, right? Right. You know, I was, you know, an honor student. I was vice president of my class. You was very active. I was very active. (laughs) I was in drama club. I was um, in French honor society. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, had, I think like a 4.1 GPA in high school or something like that. I was an overachiever and I was always hard on myself, which is something that is still kind of present. I was always hard on myself because I wanted to be great you know because I couldn't understand why you wasn't enough yeah yeah yeah, it wasn't enough why would you choose not to be in my life and he was sprinkled in and out here and there but you know he was just never he was just never invested and um that was my first heartbreak and because my mom grew up without her parents both of her parents yeah I read that in your book too yeah she she couldn't really teach me really, you know, how to deal with that. Or she didn't, she couldn't teach me really about self love or she just couldn't because I think she was still grappling with how her life started, you know, and she was doing what, what she did was she loved us so deeply because she didn't have that love, Mm -hmm. but she still couldn't really teach me about how do I love myself even though my dad chooses not to? You wrote so. something about, um, you said something about people can only love at the capacity they know how to. And I was like, damn, that is so true because I can't, you can't expect people to give you something if they never had it. So they can only reach a certain level. Absolutely. Um, I learned that through a therapist I had at the time because I was dealing with a whole bunch of crap guys in New York and Mm -hmm. I was you know just I just wasn't loving myself you know I was thinking you know the more I love them the more they'll love me back right and she told me you know the root of it was because of my relationship with my dad and that's one thing that I realized when I was reading your book and even though all of my guests are anonymous if you want to purchase her book and support her because I feel like this is a story that we all can relate to. Because I feel like when I was reading it, I was reading a chapter out of my own life. Um, make sure you email me at theprofessionalhomeguard.com and I'll give you her information. But one thing I realized when I was reading your book is, so it's a pattern. And um, the men that you were attracted to were broken and not available, which is kind of similar to your father not being present. 
Absolutely. And I was just like, wow, that is so crazy. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, because you want to be this savior, right? You want want them to see, you want to give them the love that you didn't get because you see something great in them that you were hoping your dad saw in you. And so you're like telling them, no, you're great. You're amazing. When actually they're damaging you at the same time, you know, and yeah, I, I, when, when my therapist said you can only, he can only love you at the capacity that he knows how. And Mm. then that was when I really began to heal um, from my relationship with my dad, when I just stopped expecting him to be this dad where I could feel like daddy's little girl. The dad that you wanted. The dad that I wanted. When I realized that, oh, he said that thing to me or he, uh, he didn't help me out when I needed him most because that's the capacity that he's known. And so it's okay. Right. It's okay. And I got to move on from that. But it's it's definitely work. You know what I mean? It's yeah, work. Girl, it's a lot of work. To work up. Yeah, all the time. And if I can say this, because this always like really, really annoys me, especially with social media, because, you know, those conversations about black love and black men and women and women need to heal their daddy issues. Mm-hmm. I really wish that men would have a little bit more grace. Yeah. In because the thing is, is that it's a cycle and like we wouldn't have daddy issues if daddy had been there, right. which was the man in our life, which starts with the man. And a lot of men out here have mommy issues that they don't deal with. Oh, and absolutely. They absolutely. Yeah, they don't claim. And so I just have to say that because I see that conversation all the time. And just because a woman has daddy issues doesn't mean she's not amazing. Doesn't mean she's not working on herself. Doesn't mean she can't be a boss. There's a lot of boss women out there who are still dealing with some things, Mm -hmm. but you can still love her. Absolutely. What was the conversation like when you spoke to your father? Um, When I had the conversation, um, just to let him know how I felt, Mm -hmm. Um, so he's the type of man, he's a country boy, you know, he drove trucks for a really long time. He's not the one to talk about emotions, but he will take some action. And I mean, I did see, you know, a little bit of action as far as him, you know, trying to be better in our relationship. But it started off with a letter I sent him mm-hmm. and I literally told him all the moments that I felt invisible, wow. that I felt hurt, that I felt that he wasn't there. I, I told all the moments. But isn't it crazy and- how you have to tell your father that? Because I had a similar situation with my father where I met him like maybe four years ago. No, five years ago. And it's just like the fact that I'm telling you as your child, as your offspring, how it makes me feel you not being there for me or being present in my life is like to me, it's crazy. Because why do I have to tell you that? Mm-hmm. Like you should mm-hmm. know. Well, again, that comes from whatever relationship they had with their parents, right? Because his dad wasn't around either, right? And he was—he's the my dad's the only child, so he was a mama's boy. Mm. Um, he didn't know, and I and to be quite honest, I think he's still learning mm. how to love. I mean, I saw my dad got married at 42. He didn't marry my mom. Um, He got married at 42. And the first few years were a little rough because he, at 42, still didn't know how to be a man. Yeah. Unfortunately. And so, um, you know, men are not groomed to deal with feelings. They're not groomed to nurture. 
um, you know, mm-hmm. especially back in the days. I think I think parents are doing a little bit better with that now because they're more cognizant of like what happens if you know you raise your son like this, right? Um, but they weren't raised to to deal with emotions and um, to understand what it's like to to love your little girl right. and to respect and love women. They they weren't raised like that. So I'm from the south, right? And so when me I me too. <laughs> Wait, where <are> you from? <laughs> so when I read this in your book, I was like, oh my god! I remember this saying because your mom told you, or and I remember my mom and like pretty much every woman in the south would, would be like, you can't be out there messing with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Mm-hmm. So in your book, you discuss three types of men that were significant in your past. So let's start with Tom. And when I was reading about these men, I was like, girl, these niggas mm-hmm. are crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's so mm-hmm. funny because, like you said, we as women, we overcompensate so much for a man to, like, realize that we're the one where we lose we lose uh, awareness of self. Yeah. And it's like, girl, like, the way – and then it's like – I think about it from the man's point of view, and I'm like, yo, you don't even see what you're doing to this woman. Like, you think it's okay to treat a woman like this, and you come from a woman? Like, girl, you had me in your book, and I was just like, because <laughs> it's amazing what men would do. And granted, people would do only what you allow them to do, but it's like, come on. Like, right. So, right. So let's start with Tom. Tell us about Tom. Tom wasn't as bad okay. as the others, <laughs> Dick and Harry. Okay, so Tom, and I, I hope I get the men right because I got my notes. Like, I got my notes. Okay, so, so Tom is who you met at the party. Okay, so Tom, I met him at a party in New York. Gorgeous man, mm-hmm. um, lots of finesse, uh, but he was there with a woman. Red and flag. I was like oh, okay, you know, red flag. I was like okay, and um, he was being very nice and. You know, but, you know, he was with a date. But then he happened to tell my friend that I was at the party with that he was interested in me, which, you know, yes, red flag. Like, right. oh, he's interested in me, gave her my number to contact him. But he was and on you, was, though. Like, he was, like, persistent at the party. He was, pers- yeah, he was, he was chatty. He was very chatty with me. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Right. Um, And, you know, I was young and stupid and, and I, you know, I was excited about the attention, Mm -hmm. not realizing that I am helping him, Mm. enabling him to be a toxic man or to, to have this toxic, um, energy right now because I should have shut that down as right. a grown woman I wasn't grown then but as a grown woman you should shut that down that shouldn't even have happened so that started um I think about three years of just mess you know mm-hmm. off and on mess of me wanting to be loved by this man and mm. you know that it, it just never happened and um so what happens is if you don't learn the lesson the first time, <laughs> girl, you gonna keep going through that you're same gonna lesson. Going through it, you're gonna keep going through it, and then that's how I got to the other two men because I didn't learn my lesson. Um, what do you think you learned from Tom? Like, what do you think the lesson was from Tom? Oh, I think the lesson. The lesson with, ooh, I don't even know. It was uh, so much. I would say. Because one thing I got from um, reading about Tom, I was like, yo, why do we ignore the red flags? 
Yeah, and and that's so funny that you said that because I used to keep this list of red flags in, in, in one of my journals. <laughs> I think I had started like this long list of red flags. Um, you just gotta, you got to, yeah. That should have, that should have never started. Right. You know what I mean? And that is, that was a big lesson. I guess I would say that was probably the biggest um, is that, yeah, that should have never started. That should have never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. And also learning how to cut things off quicker. It took me a long time to learn that. It took a few relationships uh, for me to realize like, you got to cut these things off quick. Why are you continuing this off and on and going back and hoping that he sees the amazingness in you? And Mm -hmm. it's like, no. Cut it off. <laughs> Yo, you ain't never lie. Everything has an expiration date. Everything. Like, Everything. and then even when I was reading when you was like, uh, and I was like, damn, because I had this conversation with my homegirl because she was in a similar situation. She told the guy that she loved him mm-hmm. and he was just like, oh, all right. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yo, it crushed her. So when I read it in your book, I was just like, yo, these niggas are crazy. Like, how do you think yeah oh, oh all right how do you think that's okay like that was such a significant moment I feel like, a, I feel like a light bulb went off in your head because it went off it in my was eyes. like wow yeah I, just, I love you and he was just like okay well I gotta go to work <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> wait a minute like um I'm sorry um but yeah that was that was a moment um Listen, to anybody who ever says those three words, those three words are heavy. Yeah. And it comes with a lot. And if someone doesn't... And it takes a lot to say it. It takes a... Because it, it wasn't right away. It was... I was I was in deep at that point. Right. And so, yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, it should take a lot to say those words and really, really mean it and to, to back it up. And so if the other person is just like, oh, okay, and passive about it, please do yourself a favor and never, ever see that person yeah. again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Dick. Dick. Dick was, I would actually say, Dick was probably the most significant guy I have dated in my life. Really? Absolutely. Why? I, because that was, I, I think... I had hit rock bottom. Mm. I was completely bankrupt emotionally Mm. when I was with him. We had met at work and we had created a friendship. And And y'all was friends for a very long time. Yeah, we were friends for a very long time. And he had always kept asking me to go out. And I was like, no, but I enjoyed our friendship. Um, At the time I was acting in New York. He, he's an actor. And so we also connected that way. And, you know, I was looking, looking again for love and someone to love me because I had not yet invested that love in myself. Mm. And I thought like, Oh, Oh my God. Well, you know what? He's my friend. He's always wanting to go out. Maybe this is the guy that I've been overlooking. Cause you know, you read all these books and it's like love could be right in your face yeah (laughs) right under your nose (laughs) right under your nose and so I'm like okay maybe that's it Mm. but yeah he was the most significant because he became so nasty um he would call me names and like he was just so he he was so mean at times and I mean he was very clear 
um, in a couple of moments that um, a lot of moments that I was not significant nor priority to him. Mm. Um, he would lie to my face. He would just do all these things. And I, like a little puppy, would keep going back. And that's why I say it was the most significant relationship I had because he was the one who taught me all of the things what love is not. Mm. And I'm very clear on that now. Yeah, because I think with Dick, he was the one that, um, like, you wanted to go out. Like, he was the one that kind of made you question yourself, like, if I'm not good enough, why you don't want to take me out? And I'm ugly. And I'm just like, yo, I'm like, yeah. it's just crazy to me. And you say, like, I think one time he took you out and y'all went somewhere that was, like, five minutes away from the house. And you were like, really? Mm-hmm. 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 He took me out. Yeah, it was right around the corner. I remember us being out with some friends and he wouldn't even pick up my tab for uh, oh, a few 15 God. cent wings um um also uh, when all this was going on what were you thinking like were you having these conversations with yourself I wasn't having these conversations I think this was more so like with friends and like why yeah. is he acting like this and you know but you know you know I'm still young I'm right. still not even seeing clearly and I'm not even seeing myself, you know? Right. You don't even see yourself because you're thinking it's the other person. It's their fault. And it's like, it's not. It's mine. It's mine. Right. It's my fault. It's me. It's me who is allowing him to do these things. Mm-hmm. It's me who is not saying, listen, I'm amazing. If you don't want this, that's, yeah, that's fine. Let's not do this. It's me. I was just so wrapped up into, in trying to prove to people mm. that I was worthy of their love. Again, connected to my dad. Right. You know, I was just so like, I am a great person and I am giving and I'm supportive and I am there for you and whatever you need. And yes, you might have talked to me like a dog two days ago. And, you know, I mean, he literally said I could never be his woman. Wow. I could never be his woman. And the defining moment, and, and, and with all those things, with all those things, it was that subtle moment, which I'm sure, you know, many other women have probably had. It was a subtle thing that he did. My mom had passed away, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to come and see me. Mm. And he, instead, he created an argument so that he, he will have to come. come. Yeah. And that was the moment I was like, never i will never talk to you again wow and i never did and then you also found out that he had a whole girlfriend in a different city a whole girlfriend that i found out about on facebook i was (laughs) like oh my my heart would just fell out (laughs) because i was like you know, sometimes I was like, you know, I wonder what he, you know, just wanted to go to his page. I never went to his page. And I realized, like, oh, wait, his name isn't popping up. This was, like, back, back, back in the days. His name isn't popping up. Did he delete me? And um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I found out. But anyway, I was able to get his page and saw, you know, it was, a, you know, they were linked. I'm in a, in a, relation, in a relationship with this person. And I'm like, Really? I mean, pictures and everything. And I'm like, this was two days after he said to me, I think he said, I think I'm falling in love with you. Right. I think it was two days before. And so I'm getting all excited, hanging on to those little crumbs. Right. Wow. And then two days later, I found out he's in a whole relationship with someone that he moved to the West Coast to be with. And it didn't work out. 
and he came back and I was there to, you know, still being his friend and then found out he was talking to another girl at the same time. That you worked with. It was with. just a mess that I worked with. Mm-hmm. It was wow. a mess. It was a mess. Honey. It was a mess. Niggas ain't shit, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I know when people listen to my podcast, I stay saying niggas ain't shit, but niggas really ain't shit, yo. Cause you, you're bold. You're really bold. That's what it is. How dare you mm-hmm. talk to somebody that I'm working with? Right. All the women in the world. Right. And you won't talk to my coworker. Right. It was really, it was really bad. And I don't know if it has gotten any better with guys today because I'm seeing a whole new generation thing going on that's so different and now that I'm you know I'm on the west coast so it's just I'm I'm just like wow guys are not even putting in effort anymore they don't have to no more they don't have to because I feel like women certain women is going to only expect certain things from men and I feel like if you're just a woman that's just like you don't really expect too much because maybe you're still in the search of trying to find who you are. Or you don't even care. Men don't have to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like nowadays women are moving like men. But I think that's what it is. And I mean, it's a cycle, right? It's like you know, if if you if you want to if you're a woman and you know you want the traditional, you know, the man is head of house, all that kind of stuff. Then you got guys making you feel bad about that and calling oh, you yeah. a bigger and calling you names. Then if you say, okay, I'm a boss up. I'm going to take care of myself. I don't need you to do that. I got that. Then is we too independent. Mm. So it's like, what do you want? What do you want us to be? You know? Because I can't win for losing. <laughs> so what- I can't win for losing, you know? And, and then, I mean, again, you know, I get so tired of those conversations because it's like, are you not understanding how you contributed to this? Mm. You know, women... For black women for a long time have been head of household because the men didn't want to be father's children. So they had to boss up and then they taught their little girls to make sure they always take care of themselves. So it's a cycle. Yeah. And it was evident because men wasn't around because their father wasn't around. So it was like the picture was already depicted right before their eyes. Right. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Harry, girl. That was was a mess. (laughs) Harry was a joke. Oh my God. You know what? So I'll tell the Okay. So let me, Harry, I can't remember how we met. He was, you know, he looked amazing. Always, you know, had a great suit on, nice jacket, (laughs) everything. And was just broke as a joke. Girl. Broke as a joke. (laughs) Broke as a joke. Um, he, I mean, it was a mess. He owed his ex money that I found. I mean, every single day I would find out something else. I found, you know, I think maybe maybe a, a week or two in, I found out. I knew he had a son. And then a week or two in, just, you know, again, Facebook. Thank you, Facebook. Um, yeah, you find a lot of shit on Facebook. I'm like, yes, girl, investigate. Investigate. Uh, found out that he had a daughter. That, that he, he failed to mention. Seven- Failed to mention. Girl. I'm like, why didn't you say anything about your daughter? And he was like, oh, you know, I was going to get around to it. But it was like, that's very important. So also with that, it was like, you know, he wasn't completely present with his daughter. Mm. Um, she didn't live in the States, but I just felt like he wasn't doing enough. So that's a that's a red flag, ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be with no man who ain't taking care of his kids. Girl. He has to take care of his kids. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was that. And then you know, gosh, I was going to his apartment one night, 
And then there was a letter on the door about <laughs> people getting evicted. I'm like, what is happening? And it was just all a mess. Um, during that time, he had decided that he wanted to become a business a music manager for this artist that he just met, a young lady mm-hmm. that he met at um, one of these like empowerment seminars. And so he invited me to, I met her um, as well. She had a beautiful voice. Um, now that her. was crazy. Yeah, I met her a couple of times. And, you know, at that time, I was really trying to, I had learned, I felt like I did learn a few lessons from, you know, the other two guys. And I was like, I'm going to try to be, you know, mature. And I'm going to, you know, okay, you got some meetings with this young lady. It's fine. And he was older than you, by the way, too. He was older than me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the key, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it was about 44 when we met. So it was like, okay, he's making a career change kind of late in life. But okay, I support it. Right. Um, come to find out, um, <laughs> one lovely weekend when I'm going to, to his apartment because I had a key, mm. he wasn't there and he didn't come home for the whole weekend. Wow. And I was trying to find out where he was. Right. And he happened to be spending the weekend with this young lady that I had met several times. Oh, wow. <laughs> and when we, I'm calling him, I'm like, what is going on? And then when we finally um happened to meet when he finally gets the courage to sit down with me and like really talk to me he tells me that they're in a relationship mm. and I'm like why y'all still in a relationship I'm like oh yeah <laughs> did we break up <laughs> <laughs> now nah, Harry too damn old to be acting like this <laughs> too old too old what I found out was that and that was probably one of the first times but there are some men who are opportunist. Oh, absolutely. Opportunist. And that was the first guy that I ever seen like that. And he was mm. just looking for somebody who was on the rise. I mean, I was doing my thing, but it wasn't enough for him. Right. Um, she had just gotten some funding for her business. So he wanted to jump on that because she had just landed some funding. That's crazy. Um, Yo, so, y'all gotta and, be careful of these men. Cause I'm telling you, these men are no joke. <laughs> like, they're no joke. They're no joke. And so they're, I mean, they're still, they got married eventually. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, they are running her business together. So, wow. Have you spoken to any of these men or have they reached out to you? Yes. So, oh, wow. Uh, What's the tea? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Tom, mm-hmm. the first one, funny thing, last year I was out with some girlfriends. Um, we went out to Palos Verdes, which is a beautiful like place um, here in California, and it was at a resort. Now, you don't know about this place unless you know California. Right. So this is like far, right? This is like far out. It's excluded. And I'm with my girlfriends. We walk into the bar, and there is Tom. What? At the bar. <laughs> and I'm like, this, this is not happening right what? now. Um, this is not happening. And he had reached out to me a few times, like on LinkedIn, just mm. to be like, hey, you know, whatever. I never responded. Right. Um, so he jumps up. He, you know, says, hey, you know, and he introduced himself to my friend. And then very quickly before any other conversation could happen, he says, this is my fiance. Oh, this is, you know, young, young oh, he woman. He shut that oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, the whole conversation 
he made it as if we were like long time buddies. Of course he did. That's what niggas do. Not that we had ever dated. Right. Not that we had ever dated, but just like, yeah, oh my God. He wanted to shut that down before y'all even got started. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Tom wanted to do. And the sad thing about that was a few weeks later, he reached out to me again on Mm. LinkedIn. And he was like, hey, I'm going to be back in town. I want to have dinner. And I was like, no, I'm going to be busy, you know? Like, I'm not, I can't have dinner. Um, And he was like, why won't you give me your personal number? I was like, you could just contact me right here through Yeah, what you need my number for? Then he, like, he invites me to his um, Airbnb when Mm -hmm. he gets in town. He's like, you sure you don't want to come? Come sit by the pool with me. And I'm like, is he kidding? He is engaged. But then that lets you know. Mm -hmm. To to any woman who is listening to this, or anyone who's listening to this, please don't be getting upset with these fools when they get engaged or get married or get in a relationship. That's a bullet a you miss. Mm-hmm, a lot of times they still foolish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they still foolish. Wow. So, yep. Have Dick or Harry reached out to you? Um, Dick would reach out to me a lot. Um, when I have first moved to the West Coast, he used to reach out to me pretty often, and I. I never would respond. So I think he finally got the picture. Uh, and I didn't hear too much from Harry. Um, I think I got like maybe an email from him when my mom passed and that was it. So, yeah. Listen, one thing I learned, they always come back, but that don't mean you're supposed to take them back. They right. always come back. There you go. <laughs> but don't take them back unless you don't really want back. to and you know it's going to be it. But don't waste your time because that'll be another headache that you don't need. Another, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also read that you are a celibate. Yes, um, six and a half years. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, six that's amazing. So, what made you um, get to that? Like, what made you get to that yeah. point? Child, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not even gonna make it sound cute. Um, that means you got really good, um, a good level of discipline. Well, I mean, one, being on the West Coast actually helps. That's yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, the dating is a little bit different. Um, two, you know, because all of that stuff was going down in New York, and I just felt like I couldn't be, I couldn't hear clearly, you know? Mm. Like, I couldn't hear God clearly. And so I had to just stop. And I had tried to do it before many times. And, you know, I would do it for a few months, or I'd do it for, maybe I think the the longest was like a year. Mm-hmm. Um but I just had to like stop because I just couldn't hear anymore. And it was just like, I need to just stop with all these, you know, dysfunctional relationships so that I can hear from God and hear what he wants me yeah. to do, what his purpose is for me. And all of that, trying to find love from, you know, people who didn't love themselves. I just had to put an end to it. Yeah, that is so good. Because I think a lot of times we get in our own way. And we constantly keep asking God for, like, yo, show me the way, give me a sign, what's my next move? And, like, it'd be so cluttered in our own space mm-hmm. that you can't even hear or see what he's showing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because how could I possibly hear what he wanted when I'm crying over crazy people, you know? <laughs> I'm crying <laughs> over these people. Like, and it, I mean, it was, I mean, I had some low moments. I mean, and I... I mean, there's no way that you can like hear. There's no way that God can show you who you are when you are dependent on people who don't matter. Mm. You gotta cut it off. You wow. Just, yeah. 
No, that's amazing. Almost seven years. So are you waiting for marriage or? Not really. <laughs> I mean, that would be nice. And I mean, I, listen, if you if you want to wait for marriage, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at one point I was like, maybe, but like, I just want to find someone that I can trust, you know, that I yeah. feel like this is for real. This is like the person God sent me. I mean, maybe I'll wait till marriage, but I just want to be able to make the the best decision. You know what I mean? And I just wasn't making good decisions then. Because mm. wow. when you be making bad decisions all the time, it oh, catches man. up. Yeah. It catches up. You know, I think about all those times, all those nights, all of those years that I was crying over people that didn't matter when I could have been doing other things. Oh, girl, you, know? you are preaching to the choir, man. I can't get the time back. I mean, it was a lesson. I don't regret it because all those things made me who I am. Heck, all those things allowed me to write the book. But at the same time, you know, if you really just stop for a moment and think about your life and think about where you have been spending your energy, if mm. you weren't spending your energy in all of these places that don't matter, who would you be? That don't serve you. That don't serve you. Serve you. Who would you be? Who would you be? You know what I mean? Because, um, I mean, as we see, especially with, you know, social media, people are dying. Yeah. Every day. Early. Young. Girl, I just saw somebody today on... um on social media, on Instagram. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I was like, yo, let me continue to do right. <laughs> be, <laughs> be nice to people. Like, cause people are dying young. Like, and people don't have anything to lose. So they would take your life in a minute or like, it's just crazy because I'm just like, yo, people are dying. They're like 30 years old. And mm-hmm. I'm like, when I turned 32, I was just like, yo, thank you God. Cause mm-hmm. some people not even making it to 30. Absolutely absolutely that's that's nothing but the truth so it's like you got to look at that and say okay listen <laughs> tomorrow is not promised to me yeah man every single day i need to i need to be doing what i'm supposed to be doing you know i, I right. need to 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 be doing my purpose that's important you know Dory, you talk about your um low your low moments what are some ways that you kept your spirits up like how did you get back into the groove of things of being happy and being like how you would normally feel about yourself because I know how low moments feel and sometimes you just feel like you just can't get out of it yeah and it's true um it is really really hard because you know people say do this or do that but if you feel depressed I mean you don't want to do those things one you really have to have some good people around you yeah I mean like that is key number one when I say have good people I mean people who are not gonna judge you Mm. I mean people who are gonna be they'll they'll push you when you need to be pushed but they will also nurture you when you need to be nurtured they're able to like really fill out the temperature of where you are at and say okay today she don't need tough love today she needs this you know what I mean um people who are who are not gonna be jealous when you start taking Girl. off because that has happened to me where we've been praying for me for years so that I could get here and now I'm here and now you upset so mm. I don't understand you know what I mean so you gotta be around people who genuinely I mean genuinely yes. want to see you win because when you win they win and they know it ain't nothing but a prayer going around in a circle people mm. that will pray for you people that um they, I, I need to be with people who 
have empathy because I'm an empath, you know, I, I, I need for people to empathize with me. It ain't got to be my whole full circle, but I need like one or two people who can understand what it feels like to be in the trenches because some yes. people like to be on this, well, girl, you just got to do this, but you got to understand today. I feel like the world is against me. And mm-hmm. so like, how can you, how can you, you know, empathize with me in this moment and still encourage me? So I would say, have a really great circle. And honestly, as hard as it might be, if you don't have one, um, you should probably <laughs> start to reevaluate that. Cause I do that probably twice a year. Mm-hmm. I look at who are the people I'm spending the most. And I'm, and I'm serious. That's about- a reflection of yourself. Oh, absolutely. It's like, and it keeps me clear too about my expectations. So I'll take a Mm. piece of paper and I'll say, okay, this is my person that I can do everything with. This is my person that I like to go out with. This is, these are some people that like, I think they're really cool. We haven't spent a lot of time with, but I think I really want to spend more time with them. So how can I arrange for us to like get a little bit closer? Like I'm very careful about, I curate who is around me because it's important to me. Um, Getting out of those low moments, of course, your Bible. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and that's not cliche. I mean, just even if you're not even clearly understanding what the Bible is saying, like the more you read it and, you know, you pull up whatever translation you need, reading mm-hmm. devotionals, listening to sermons online. T.D. Jakes has helped me out of many a time. Yeah, girl. <laughs> um Um, But that is really, really important because, you know, sometimes we forget the power that we have and the authority that God has given us. Mm. We get so wrapped around what's happening and what we don't have that we forget to be grateful. For the things that we do have. Yes. Mm -hmm. When you start looking at um, the things that you have and the gratitude, man, it's some people that are really doing bad out here. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's some people that are really, really doing bad out here. Mm -hmm. And if you take a moment and just say, hold on, this, what I'm in is so temporary. God has blessed me. And I mean, it could be, it could be something as simple as, you know, hey, I was able to get my nails done today. Thank God. You know, yeah, I think a- being thankful for like the littlest things like mm-hmm. can really make a difference. Cause even when I wake up or if I get something on sale or like I got some something free or just like the littlest things, I'm like, you know what? Thank you so much, God. Cause that's you didn't have to do that. Like, and I think that mm-hmm. we get so focused on, oh, we saw this person in the bins, we saw this person traveling here. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know what people have to go through. And I always say that. Instagram is a, a perception of what people want you to see. It's not right. the real deal. So it's like, you got to be thankful, man. Because like you said, things can always be a lot worse. Things could be a lot worse at any moment. Um, sure. What is some advice you would give to your younger self? Hmm. Gosh, I would have gave me so much advice. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... I would tell myself, you are enough. Mm. The message that God gave you will come to pass. Um, I think that's probably it. <laughs> I think that's it. The You are enough. Yeah, I think you are enough is, is really important. It is really it. And that would have taken me a whole lot further. You You are enough. And last but not least, what is some advice you would give to other women that are in toxic relationships? Mm, so 
whether it be romantic or friendships, because I also talk about friendships mm-hmm. in the book um, that can be toxic, which, you know, some people don't <laughs> forget that, you know, friendships can get toxic and you might have to, you know, cut that off. Yeah. Um, really ask yourself, do you feel better when you're with this person or do you feel worse? Mm -hmm. And I know that's like a question that, you know, people have said that, like, you know, do you feel your energy, like really ask yourself, because if you don't feel better when you're with someone, and sometimes it might not even be, especially with, you know, new friends or people, you know, you're meeting, you might not can put your finger on it, but you just don't feel great. Mm. Remove yourself. Remove yourself. You have to question something. Remove yourself. Yeah, you don't know what you're questioning, but you know something ain't right. Something ain't right. It's okay. You ain't. You do not have to have an exact reason. (laughs) Why you just don't want to fool with somebody? You might not know exactly, but your discernment and Mm. gut is telling you. Just remove yourself. It's the Holy Spirit. No, (laughs) it's true. Remove yourself. You don't. You don't even. And don't fight it. Don't fight it. Um, know that you also know that they are enough. Know that they are a queen. Know that God has chosen them to do great things. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, yes, we all want to have love. We do. But you want to have the love that God has for you. Yes. You want to have the love that you deserve. And if you do not have it in the relationships that you're in, get out of them because there's something better. They're going to be people who going to love the way you laugh or love the way you do And I'm going to tell you that you're too much. <laughs> And not gonna. I had a man tell me that I was too smart. I was too Mm -hmm. strong. And I and that and thank God to um, Dick. I knew Mm -hmm. I can't date you because this woman that I am today took years for me to get here. Mm -hmm. So don't you dare tell me I'm too strong or I'm too anything because that's not love. Mm -hmm. That means you're too weak. If I'm too strong, listen, girl. So, (laughs) So you know. Um, I'm not saying go out there and be like, I don't need no man. Listen, I want love. I want to be married. But I do really believe that the right man is going to love all of you. The flaws, the good, the bad, bad the ugly, every single part of you. And what my friend, my married friends tell me, don't settle. And I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Don't settle. Don't settle. Keep keep doing you. Keep doing your purpose. Keep building your empire. And, and you know, that king will come. Those good friends will come. Yeah, and- that's so true. It's funny how you find good friends. Well, in my opinion, you find good friends in, in your later years. Oh, yeah. Opposed to yeah. you having friends in your, when you was younger. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? And you know how people used to say, oh, you don't need no, you don't get new friends when you're older. Actually, you're right. I think you're so, I never thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. I found some really good friends. I found some amazing people in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. I prefer these, I prefer, I prefer finding friends now. Yeah. Than, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, if you have any question for my guests, I think this episode is something that we all can relate to. Please email me at hello at theprofessionalhomegirl.com. I will make sure she gets those and she'll answer them, for, answer them for you. Make sure you email as well if you want to know more about her book so you can support her. And until next time, guys, later. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.